Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you all here. A uh, particular warm welcome to uh, those who are uh, visiting today. Um, my name is David, as you know, and um, I'm speaking this morning uh, on one of the um, expressions of Jesus. What we've been doing is uh, looking, um, first of all, at the person of Jesus, and now we've moved on and we're looking at some of his I am sayings. I think there are seven uh, sayings where Jesus started saying, I am. Uh, And my one uh, is, I am the door, or I am the gate. So if you'd like to turn with me, and we put it up on the screen, uh, John chapter 10, uh, verses 1 to 10. Um, can, you, can you, Andrew, when you get to the bottom, click on to the next one. Thank you. We, we've, we've lost the, the remote control, so that we've got this uh, link between us. So Jesus started telling, saying this. He said, I tell you the truth, or in an older version, it might have verily, verily, or truly, truly. He's saying the truth here. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate or the door, but climbs in by some other ways, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Um, He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate, or I'll be referring to the door, for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, or the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have love, life, and have it to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Cut that one out for me. Uh, what uh, uh, Jesus is, is talking now uh, about uh, a sheep pen. Um, no, can we just cut it off? Ta, I'll come back to it in a minute. Okay, what we're speaking now is is a sheep pen. Uh, In in those days, it may have been a cave or it may have been an enclosure where lots and lots of sheep would have come in. And in in the gateway or the doorway, there would have been um, a a, a watchman or a doorman who would look, look, make sure that only the shepherd whose sheep were in the pen, could come out. And the shepherd would come in and call out his sheep by name. Do you understand that? By name. So he doesn't say, right, all right, all the gateway lot, over there. You know, he calls you out by name, individually by name. You are known to Jesus by name. I think that's lovely. Do you think that? 
So he will call you out. So come on, Phil. Come on, Rachel. Come on, Silas. Come on, Andrew. Come on, Maureen. I suppose we've got to have Denzel as well. Yes, we have Denzel as well. And, and he will call you out by name. Do you understand that? Okay. But the question we look at, Jesus is saying then, I am the door. I'm using the door rather than the gate. You've probably gathered that. I am the door. And it poses this question, doorway to what? Let's look at those doors again. There's lots of doors, different doors, uh, some more grand than others, some with horses in, some baronial, some like this one here. It was put in a garden for little gnomes to, 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 to go through. So you've got all sorts of sizes of doors. But what's the doorway to? What is the doorway? And really what he's saying is, he's posing a question, it's the doorway to life or death. So therefore, our first question is this, is there life after death? Well, if the answer is no, then they would believe that life ends, there's nothing more. Actually, you've got a lot of faith to believe that. That, that actually, when you die, you turn into ash, and that's it. You've blown away, end of story, end of history. Others believe that there is an afterlife but they will be very unsure uh, what it's meant by that. As many as three-quarters of the population of this country, so about 70%, uh, 75%, when asked the question, do you believe in God, said yes. Yes, I do. But fewer take their belief further than that. So we live in a country where many, many, many people believe in God. Can we look at number three? So what's behind the door? Many believe that they're going to go to heaven one day, but they've absolutely no idea how they're going to get there and what they need to do to get there. And this is a job that Jesus left for us to do. You talk to people and they will believe, yes, they believe in God, yes, they believe in an afterlife, yes, I'm going to go there one day. And when you pose the question, but how are you going to get there? They tend to believe that, that Jesus is a sort of an Arthur Daly character. One of these guys from the, okay, son, slip with a fiver, you can nip round the back. Um, and, and, and anybody can get in. Um, no matter how shady you are, no matter what you've been up to, uh, you just give him the wink, give him a fiver, and you're in. You're under the bar. You're through. Actually... That's not what it's right. And Jesus has left us the job, you the job, to, do, to, to, to put them right. Can we look at the number four? Others believe that there, it, it, there is a, a heaven, but there is a hell. But actually, they don't know much about it either, which is why that wasn't Silas up there, by the way. That's a completely different person. All right. Um, uh, just in case anybody was thinking that might be so, That looks a bit like him, actually. No got that shirt on I'm sure okay it's so that's hell it, it, it's vague it's out there it's not very nice it's something that's well there some people believe and I've heard it, I'm sure you've heard it oh all my friends will be there when I go and oh, we're gonna we're gonna have a party down oh we're gonna have a time oh when we all get down to hell we'll be all and and, and it'll, be, it'll be a big rave up I'm looking forward to hell Actually, I have to say that these people haven't really heard the words of Jesus or heard what he says uh, about it. 
And for the last slide, the uh, next slide, some believe that what's behind the door, well, there's nothing at all. It finishes. They've done. Once they're dead, they return to the grave. Great belief, that is. Uh, not true, but it, it's more, it actually, it, it, it's as much um, uh, 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 taking something and believing it uh, as they give us credit for, for, for what we believe. Now, there's nothing to it. How do you know that? Do you know anybody that's been and come back? Well, you can't. If you say yes, you can't believe that can't be right anyway, can it? Because if they have been and come back, then they can't have been. So it's something there that, that actually it doesn't. We don't just switch off a light and go. Thank you. We, of course, believe that Jesus is right and that there is life after death. And that those who believe in Jesus and the work that he did on the cross will give us eternal life. We can only... Uh, we can and will step through that door into a life of eternity with him. And so in this room, if there's anybody here who is not a Christian, actually you face one of those three doors. You don't know when, you don't know where, you don't know how. You may feel that this is something that you can leave till a later date. Oh, I'll do it when I'm 70. I'll do it when I'm 80. I'll do it when I'm, eight, uh, when I'm married. I'll do it later. I'm having too much fun now. People in this church know that uh, we're just coming up to the two-year anniversary when my grandson not yet 16, three days short of his 16th birthday, stepped through that doorway from life into death. He died at 16, not quite 16, just like that. Just before, uh, uh, the, what was it, August the 5th or 3rd. You never know when it's going to happen to you. So you need to listen to these voice words. Actually, you will face a doorway one day. You will face a door which is either you believe there is nothing at all or you're going to be going to a place where all your friends are and a glorious party. Or you're going, as Jesus says, into eternal life. And whilst we're talking this morning, I want you to just think about that. Which door are you going to go through if God called you tonight? So we're, we are the people that Jesus is addressing here, the ones that believe that we're stepping from this life into an eternal life. And we've been singing very much uh, about that. And Jesus, I've said, uses the uh, uh, imagery of life in Israel at that time. It was a very rural community. They would have been used to seeing sheep and shepherds um, uh, around. They would have seen sheep pens. They knew what all that was about. We, of course, know sheep because they're, li they're the little white woolly things that we see in fields sometimes as we go past. I don't know much more about them than that, but they're there. We know what a sheep like. I don't suppose there are many, many people in this room who've uh, met a shepherd. Uh, there are one or two, but they're very few and far between. And so if Jesus were here today, he probably wouldn't use that analogy for us as an audience. He would use a different uh, analogy. Um, and he might today illustrate his words by referring to computers and things like that. 
um, and, and he might say, well, actually, I am the way that you get into all this information, like a, a portal. Now, don't ask me what a portal is. I picked it up from Phil earlier in the week, and I still really none the wiser. Um, but actually, it's a, it's a way to get into. If you want to get into a website, you go through a portal. He's raised his eyebrows. So that's not quite necessarily true. If you want to, to be ginned up, but that, do you understand what I'm saying? He would use a different imagery. But here he's talking about sheep. Sheep who know and hear his voice. This tells us that somehow he speaks to us even before we knew him. He called us by name. Before you knew Jesus, Jesus called you by name. He's calling you now by name. Paul writes that even when we were totally unaware of God, totally unthinking about God and his concern for us, we were so far away as to be considered dead, absolutely dead, useless, dead. And yet he called and the spirit within us awoke and rose to that. Christians, therefore, listen to and recognize the voice of Jesus and follow him. We recognize Jesus. So the next question is, well, how do we do that? How do we hear the shepherd? We know he's the doorway to the sheep. How do we follow that? And I believe it's essential that we train ourselves to do this by reading the Bible, by spending time in reflective prayer. prayer. That's, not, that's prayer where it says, it hasn't got a long to-do list. And Lord, I want this to happen and that to that. And I want it to shine, shine on my picnic uh, and, and, and on Rachel's, um, and Chris and Rachel's barbecue. We want that. And no, no. It's a reflective prayer where you think back and you ask and you listen to what God may say. So reading the Bible, spending time in reflective time at prayer, and time with other Christians in fellowship with them, talking to them. And it's a good thing to be able to talk to people and to bounce things off of people. I, I was able to do that with part two of my family this week. I was able to bounce something off of them and get an answer. And Maureen and I were talking a little bit later on about that. And I said, actually, I think we'll talk to somebody else later on uh, when we've got a bit more information. And just bounce this one off of them. Just get an idea. Somebody I trust, somebody that I can look to and say, what would your opinion be of this? Don't have to follow that advice, but I will actually be seeking somebody out later on to say, what do you think? You've had a, more experience on this than I have. So we need to do that. We, that's how we hear the voice of God. If you're not reading your Bibles, guys, you are missing out. You are missing out on what God is saying to you. Read your Bibles. You'll hear from God. You start to hear from God. You'll start to respond. But Jesus also says and warns us that there are other voices that we can hear. And if we follow them, it will lead to death and destruction. So thieves and robbers. Now, uh, the, the, the legal thieves are people who steal, often surreptitiously. So shoplifters are thieves. And I don't know if you've noticed, in some shops we go into, Marks and Spencer did it, says thieves will be prosecuted. They're not messing about. And at Sainsbury's has got a thing, we prosecute all thieves. Thieves are people that go in and put something under their jumper or in their, in their, in, in, in their shopping bag. They, they do it surreptitiously. They steal. 
Robbers, on the other hand, are people who do this with violence. They break in and threaten violence. And so there is a charge called robbery and violence. Robbery is breaking in. There's a difference between, I don't know if you know this, there's a difference between housebreaking and burglary. Did you know that? There's a di- it's the timing of the day. If you, do, if you break into a house during the day, it's called housebreaking. That's okay. Well, it's not okay. It's still against the law. But, that's, <laughs> that. but if you break into a house at night, it's called burglary and carries a different sentence. Did you know that? Yes, it's true. When I was a probation officer, you had to know these little, little definitions. And um, uh, that there is a difference. And if you, get, if you burgle a house, you can expect to get quite a stiff, sent- a much stiffer sentence than if you break in. So any, any would-be thieves out there, it is far better, dear beloved, to break into a house <laughs> during the day than it is at night. That's something you've learned. You don't get that at every church, I'm sure. But that's what you can, you can take away with that. So thieves and robbers. Who's Jesus talking about here? Well, he wasn't talking about the prophets, the earlier people. He was talking, we think, we think about the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the elders uh, who were actually leading people astray, who were stopping people. And if you actually get the context of these verses, he's talking this, he's saying this simply because just the chapter before, he's healed a blind man and he's coming to conflict and co- uh, uh, with the Pharisees who are questioning what he's done and why he did it. And this man must have been a liar anyway. He probably wasn't worth it and his parents must have sinned. Jesus said, no, 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 grace comes to you now. Listen to my voice. But it also means for us that we have to be discerning about what we read, what we watch, and what we listen to. And I'm not talking about those slightly iffy programs that, that, that you, 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 you watch when it's late at night. I'm not talking about that. We shouldn't be watching that anyway. Um, I, I think I've told the story before that when my son Andrew, who's now uh, in Coventry, um, when he was about 15 or 16, we were watching television on a Friday night. Now, on, it used to be on a Friday night. After about half past ten, the slightly raunchy films came on. You, you know about that, yes. Uh, and and, um, <laughs> and, and uh, we, we'd been watching television, and the time had gone past 10.30, and this film came on, and it was a little bit uh, on the raunchy side. Maureen uh, had, had uh, gone out the room for some reason, probably put the cat out or something like that, and... Uh, Andrew and I were looking at this, and we were getting more and more embarrassed at the content of this program. And in the end, Andrew piped up and said, I should be glad when Mum comes in and watches, switches this off, you know. Um, and, and that's, uh, the, but that's some of the, well, I'm not talking about that actually so much. Actually, we have to be careful and discern about some of the stuff we watch, particularly on the channels uh, of, of, of religious programs. You do get some very iffy stuff coming over on that, and you have to be quite discerning. Some of the books that we read. I can remember the, the beloved Don Smith, um, when, when he was in Hastings, we had a very religious lady who uh, joined our church, a very religious lady, and um, uh, she, she actually spoke to somebody a uh, bit like me wearing black. And she said, oh, you should never wear black, you know, because black's the devil's colour. Oh, you never wear black. Black belongs to the devil. And Donnie is typically rubbish. The devil never created nothing. There's nothing wrong with black. End uh, the story. But you actually have to, but it sounded very spirit. Oh, really? Shouldn't wear black? Oh, I hadn't realised that. 
you have to discern what you're hearing. It's not in notes, is it? No. Um, <laughs> it's interesting that, that Jesus refers to himself as being a door or a gateway. And we call ourselves Gateway Church. And it's part of our vision that we will be a gateway, not only to people finding Christ, becoming Christians for the first time, but also as a means of planting new churches into North Wales and beyond. We are a gateway, and we're already on that road, are we not? With, with, with Deesa, we're on the road to planting out another uh, ch- uh, church. Perhaps a, a helpful visual picture of Jesus being the door into heaven is the image we have. Do you remember going back? I want you to take you back to the Garden of Eden. I want you to take you back to the time when Adam and Eve were banished from the garden and so that they wouldn't come back, so they wouldn't feed on the tree of life and live forever, God placed a cherubim, which is sort of quite a big muscular uh, angel, with a flashing sword, flaming sword, that prevented anybody from coming back to that place. You couldn't go back into paradise. Our way to paradise is not by blowing somebody up, as some would would preach in different religions. It's through, or, or having to duck through a flaming sword, but by invitation through the cross. That's what Jesus offers us. He says, there is a way and you can come into it through me. But Jesus adds a bit more to this right at the end. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. So not only will the sheep hear his voice and follow him, but Jesus makes a promise that we will enjoy life to the full. The Amplified Bible puts it like this. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance till it overflows. Now that's something, isn't it? Can you put that up for me? There's two verses I want you to look at there. No, leave that one off. We're meant to have this life that overflows. We have to ask ourselves then two things. Have we got yes, anyway, we now leave it out. Leave it leave, leave, leave it out. I've got myself in a, in a, in a right state. Here. We'll come back to it in a minute. Okay, we've give, asked to have life and have it to the full. And so we need to ask ourselves two things. What does this mean for us? And are we really enjoying life in Jesus till it overflows? I think the answer is possibly not looking at your faces this morning. Okay, are we really feeling that? Because that's what Jesus said you're going to get. Now, in this day, this litigious age, if we bought something in a shop that says, buy this and it will overflow in your home, you'll have loads and loads and loads of it. And when we got it home, there's just a little bit on the bottom. And, and you say, hang on, this isn't right. I'm taking this one back. And, and if the shop, oh no, that's what it's like. When we say it overflows, it overflows the bottom bit, actually. But it doesn't go much. But, uh, but it says on the tin that it will overflow. Well, does it overflow for you? 
does it overflow for you? And what does he mean by it's going to overflow? What's going to overflow? Actually, this week, uh, on, on, on Wednesday morning, I think it was, we had a knock on a door, and our neighbour was there, and she said, well, she, she lived on her own, uh, and, and, and her kitchen had flooded. And um, uh, we went in, and I said, what's called? I don't know, it's water coming all over the place. And actually, it made a real mess. It had gone right away through the living room, hallway, water everywhere. Um, and I went in and had a look and found out what was causing it and tightened up a, a, little, a little nut on a hose pipe, uh, and, and, and that put it right. But we were there for the next two or three hours, I think, helping her to mop up. It had overflowed. She knew what overflowing was. Uh, you ask her, she'll tell you all about it. Um, but... Jesus said, we're going to have life that overflows. Overflows with what? Now, if we're part of the prosperity movement, they would stand up and say, well, what that means, or what that means, brother, is you're going to get life overflowing. You're going to get riches. Actually, you're going to have a car, two cars. You're going to have loads of money, gold-plated bar taps. Oh, you're going to have it, and, 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 and big hairstyles and all this sort of, you're going to get the lot. You see, I've been watching some of the programs I told you not to watch. Um, <laughs> does it mean that? Does it mean riches? Does it mean wealth? Does it mean a comfortable lifestyle? I'm here now. I'm on my way. I'm here. Oh, it's wonderful. Be a Christian. You'll never have a problem again. Actually, I think there's something wrong with that. I don't believe it means that you're on a glory gravy train to heaven. Let's, did you remember that? No, perhaps you don't. Do you remember seeing that? We're on the glory train to heaven or something like that. Uh, uh, no? Blimey, it was old then. Um, and, uh, uh, but then we used to sing a song, I'm, I'm on the train to heaven. And, and uh, it, was, it was a wonderful, we're on this train, and chug, 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 and it's all glorious. Actually, our life wasn't like that at all. We sang lies in those days. <laughs> we did. We used to sing terrible stuff in those days. Because, you see, if it were the case that we're on a glory trip to heaven, it would mean that somehow poor old Paul and Peter and James and John, they got it wrong somewhere. Because if you read their lives in the Bible, they didn't have exactly a fun time of it. You read that illustration of, of Paul that says, I've been, I've been beaten and I've been shipwrecked and I've been beat, set about by robbers and I've been stoned. You think... Wow, that's some glory gravy train that must be. His, that, that's abundant life teaching, isn't it? Prosperity teaching. Paul, you've got it wrong somewhere. No, no, that's reality. Reality is that life will be hard. So what is Jesus talking about here? What is he saying that your life is going to be overflowing? Does he mean overflowing with persecution or does he mean something else? Well, he does warn us that there is persecution, there is hardship. So I think instead he was preparing us for a life of fruitfulness. That makes more sense. He says this in John fifteen sixteen. He says that we've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit and keep on bearing fruit and that fruit will last. We have been chosen and appointed. All right, so here we are. You've been, I won't use you, I'll use you. We have been chosen, I'll have him. Not only have I got him, says Jesus, but I've appointed you. I've actually given you a badge that says evangelist. And I've appointed you to go out there and bear fruit. I've appointed you, and you, and you, and you, all of us, we've been appointed by Jesus to bear fruit, and that fruit will last. 
It will last through. So it won't be someone who gives their heart to Jesus one day and then disappears. No, it's going, to be heart, it's going to be hearts that actually respond to the gospel. He then goes on to say this second reading, that anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing and will do even greater things than these. Wow. So I've appointed you to do things and you will go out and do the things that Jesus did and greater things than that. What could be greater than healing a leper, making the blind see, raising the dead? What is he saying? He's saying, church, come on, guys, you are going to do things better than me. You are going to do more than I th- So if we take these verses together, can we have the other one up there about the abundant life? Well, that's it. We are meant to be fruitful. We're going to bear fruit. We are called to be ambassadors to Christ. We're given a badge and told to go out and do it. We are being filled with the Spirit, and it should involve us in the life of the church. It should be, in, it should be in, percolating through this life. And it's not just for some, one or two here, one or two more blessed than others. It's for all of us. Do you understand that? It's for everyone. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to empower us. Thank you. That's what Jesus has given us to do. So taken together, these verses tell us that as Christians, we should live a rich, full, abundant life that will be affected in all that we do for Jesus. Does that make sense to you? That's what he's calling us to do. I want, I'm calling you into rich pastors. I'm calling you to become powerful. I'm calling you to have an abundant life. I'm calling you to a place where you will be effective for me. So no longer will we have the dread of giving out leaflets on a cold, wet Saturday morning to unresponsive hands or talking to unreceptive friends and families. Does that mean that? It means that actually we're going to bear fruit. Instead, we should picture ourselves as being heralds, bringing good news, telling people of the new life and healing and victory over life that comes with the gospel. Do you remember we saw that video clip not very long ago uh, about people being healed in a supermarket? Do you remember it? Was it R10 or something like that? Yeah? Do you remember that one? Where, where people were, where, where this guy just went, said, anybody comes down to R10, uh, check out 10, I'll pray for healing, and they'll be healed. From America, as you can imagine. But it was a fantastic insight as to what you can do when God is speaking. Actually, that should be our normal, not the abnormal. That's what we should be experiencing every day in our lives. We should be experiencing more and more and more and more and more of what God is calling to do. So then, what are your wildest dreams? Come on, when you're daydreaming, like now, um, when your mind's away with the fairies, and, 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 and you're thinking, hmm, wouldn't it be nice too? And, and you're, some of you are envisaging Sunday dinner, and some of you are... But what do you dream when you have those moments, when you love to be doing things for God, when you actually envisage yourself being like Billy Graham and standing up and 
calling out and thousands come uh, and they all respond and you or, 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 or you pray for the sick and they're healed or you have do you ever have dreams like that? I do do you ever have dreams like that actually we're encouraged to have big dreams for God dreaming so what happens to you what do you dream when you're dreaming those big dreams of their of yours what exploits would you like to do for God how abundant do you want your life to be in Christ that's the question really what do you want what do you want you can be God say I'll give it to you whatever you ask in my name I'll give it to you. So that if you do go out and pray for the sick, or if you go and have a word of knowledge, or you speak to somebody, God says, I'll be there with you. I'll be there with you. Try me. Try me in this. I'll be there with you. He said uh, in, 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 uh, in the Old Testament, talking about people who were holding back on their giving, he said, you test me in this. You try me. You give me, your, you bring me your tithe and you see what I do with the other nine-tenths that you've got. You'll find that it won't run away. And it's the same principle, beloved, here. You try me in this. I've promised you an abundant life. Try me in this. Try me and see what I can do. If you're a Christian here today, you'll have heard the voice of the shepherd calling you by name yes if you're a Christian you've heard the voice of God you will have responded and made a clear decision to follow him now Jesus wants you to have an abundance of fruit in your life but the reality is that probably in the early days of your Christian walk you may have been a good witness to the new life you've won in Christ you may have spoken to many people and shared and witnessed and prayed for we've all done it but somehow, lack of success, the cares of life, lack of success with friends and families may have dampened your ardour. Perhaps by now you become a little bit cold, a little bit indifferent. If you're honest, a little bit disillusioned about your own effectiveness. Oh, you believe the gospel. You believe that God can heal. You can believe that God can save. But actually for you, for your life, where you are now, you may think, I'm not so sure that I'm perhaps the right person for this. Perhaps it's not, and this is where we speak to, it's not my gifting. Actually, it is your gifting. See, the promises of Jesus are eternal. They're not here today and gone tomorrow. My mercies, my promises are new every morning. They're eternal. They're for you here now, that's what we believe, don't we? We believe the word of God is here and now for us. And his desire is for us to have a deep, fruitful, meaningful Christian walk. He's told us that we're to live life to the full, to bear fruit by doing the very things that he did. And so we come to Gateway Church. Now, you heard Steve uh, talk about the notices up there. And in October, this church, Gateway, will be launching a major drive to get the gospel out into our community. We'll be celebrating our fifth anniversary, our five years of being together as a church.
And we're doing that not by having a party, although it'll probably be cake, but what we'll be doing is having Bill Blows come. Some of you have met Bill Blows. He's a big avuncular uh, 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 man, a gr- man who's very good at preaching the gospel. He's going to come and preach the gospel. He's going to come and, 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 and invite people to know Jesus. He's going to come and invite the Holy Spirit to come and heal. So we're doing that in, 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 in our birthday. Uh, we're also having front edge training, which is about how to share your faith. And we'll also be praying for the sick. We'll be doing a whole lot of things. So that means that you've got to start talking to people. Now, some of you know I go to an art group. Um, it's called an art group. When you look at my stuff, it's not called art at all. Uh, but when we go to an art group, and I sit next to a guy, um, and the other week he, he, he wasn't there. And he's a very regular guy. And uh, I said to him, you know, the next time I saw him, we're not well last week. He said, oh, no, he said, I've got a terrible, I've got a degenerative back condition now. He said, my, my spine is, is, um, is actually closing in on the spinal column. And he said, ultimately, it's causing me great pain now, but ultimately, it's going to mean that I won't be able to walk. Um, and, and it's come at any time, and uh, I, I was laid up with it. And... Um, I don't know him that well, and I, and I have to admit, I chickened out at that time. Uh, and, 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 and I thought, oh, right. The next week I saw him, I asked him again how his back was. He was always much better now, he said. And I said, actually, I said, we, uh, our church, <coughs> our church is going to have, you know, a, a, a healing somewhere. We're going to pray for the sick. I said, you'll have to come along. And he just grunted at that point. I said, mm-hmm. And he didn't say no, and he didn't say yes. But I've actually put down a marker. So I'll come back to him and say to him, come on, Clem, do you want to come to this and here? Now, whether he comes or not, I don't know. But I've started. So there. I've started. So there. I believe that God wants us to reach out. We're coming also with uh, another thing called Christianity Explored, which is a six weeks ch- uh, block of teaching uh, on evangelism through DVDs and personal talks. And we'll be inviting you to bring your non-Christian friends. You'll hear, you, some of you have already heard about this. Some of you have yet to hear about it. But that's what's happening. And it's being spearheaded by Phil and by Rupert here. But that's what we're hoping to do, to bring people in under the sound of the gospel. Start thinking, church, and praying about who those people are going to be. Who are we going to bring? Come with them. Sit through with them. Talk with them, share with them. If you want to know a bit more about it, talk to Phil, who's, who's run many of these courses. Talk to Rupert. People like you and me can be uh, nervous about inviting people that you may not know that well to come to a guest service. Perhaps your experience has been one of having your hopes dashed by inviting guests who haven't responded. But if this is ge- what Jesus wants us to do, what actually will prevent us from doing it? And I'm going to say two things, one of which Steve's already t- t- uh, touched on. One is lack of prayer. Lack of prayer for those that we want to invite. We actually need to start praying that, God, you will open up that door. Help me open up conversations. Help me to start to talk to this person, whether it's at work or at home or uh, next door or in the shop. Help me to open up that conversation so that I can pick on those topics that, that, that will interest them. So lack of prayer will prevent us. And also lack of faith or boldness on our part. We've got to be bold. 
we've got to reach out and take that uh, that deep breath and say would you like to come would you like to come and I don't think that as a church our efforts should hang on the gifts and the drive of just one or two people who may or may not have been to front edge and are all fired up Jesus has said that he wants all of us to be doing the works that he did he wants us all to be doing it now at this part of the service as we draw to a close uh, we would sometimes invite people to come forward for prayer or for healing or sicknesses but whilst preparing this talk I felt that that wasn't what God wants us to do this morning I believe that God wants us to pray for each other now I'm not going to suggest we get into, into groups but I am going to suggest that we start to pray for each other that actually God will you give me that and I've asked one or two people to just mill around that we can start to pray for each other because I believe what God wants to do is to fan into flame the gifts that he's put in us now guys do you believe that God has put gifts in you do you believe that he's actually given the church gifts do you believe that if you do are you using them if not fan them into flame quite simple really just get them going um, perhaps you're not aware of any particular gifting that you've got or perhaps you've never spoken in tongues or prophesied or had a word of knowledge perhaps you need boldness or wisdom so I'm going to suggest that we ask the Holy Spirit to equip us to do the works that he set up for us yes do you agree with that we're going to ask God to do that then we'll be able to lead others to the door to see them born into new life and hope they too will be able to hear the voice of the shepherd calling them to follow him into an abundant life that's going on into eternity. Can we do that? Can we stand? Now I'm going to just suggest that we reach out for God. I'm just going to suggest that we actually hold out our hands and say, Lord, will you come upon me? Will you bless me? Will you anoint me again? Now, it may well be that you want more. It may well be that you're going to need to turn to someone. And we've got Phil here, and we've got Steve, and we've got Denzel, and we've got Rupert, and myself, and others here who will do that for you, who will come and anoint you afresh. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus, you said that you are the way. You said that you are the door. You said, Lord, that your sheep will hear your voice. You said, Lord, that you will lead them into rich pastures where you will feed them, where they lay down in safety. You have said, Lord, that you want us to have abundant life, overflowing, filled, <coughs> running over. You've said, Lord, that you want us to be your ambassadors and to do the works that you did and more Lord right now I believe that you're laying names on people's hearts names of people who don't know you perhaps our friends perhaps our family they may be people that were walking with you but through one thing or another they've turned aside they haven't turned into sin necessarily but they're not walking closely with you 
I believe Jesus wants you to own those names. Just own them. Just receive them. Just pray about them. Just think about how you might talk to them over the next couple of months. Whether you invite them around for a coffee or for a barbecue. Whether you offer to go for a walk with them. Just pop in and see them. But those names that Jesus has given you, (coughs) I believe he's wanting you to reach out to them. He reached out to you through friends or families or a, a, a church service when you weren't really alive, when you weren't really running with God, walking with God. Now he wants to do the same to you with your friends, with your family, with the people that you know. And I believe you just need to reach out. Say, yes, Lord, I'll I'll, I'll talk to them. I'll start a conversation. I'll start, I'll go down that road, Lord, of inviting them to the church barbecue, maybe, or to Front Edge, or to Celebration, Lord. Maybe to Christianity Explored. I'm going to start that walk, Lord. I believe there are others here who just need the gift of God again. Perhaps you've never spoken in tongues. Perhaps you've never sung in tongues. I believe God wants to come touch you and anoint you afresh. He wants to come upon you. He wants to give you a fresh outpouring of his spirit. He wants to equip you for service. He wants to say to you, You are my beloved. You are no less person than anybody else in this room. You are the one that I wanted. You are the one that I called by name. You are the one that I planned and purposed. You are the one that I prepared works to do. Before the beginning of time, I prepared works for you to do. I want to come upon you again. I want to refresh you. I want to renew you. I want to give you words. Some of you feel that you're almost on the edge of the prophetic. You get things coming into your head and you immediately reject them. No, that can't be God. God wants to say to you, I want you to use that. I want you to step out in faith at that point. I want you to hear me. Come on, it is my voice that's calling you. It's my voice that's willing you, purposing you to act, says in Philippians. It's my voice. Recognize it. Hear it. Respond to it. Oh, Jesus, just come upon us, we pray. Lord, we want to reach out. We want to touch our neighborhood. We want to touch this community, Lord. So, Father, will you just come upon us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.